but tonight I have a, um, a message that uh, has been with me for about a month now. It, uh, whenever a message usually hits me, uh, first of all, I, I check myself, see if it's for me. Um, I analyze, check my heart, I pray, I, I, I ask God if, if I have sinned in that way, if I have uh, ignored his word that he's given me. Um, to forgive me and to help me to move forward. And um, if I continue to feel a burden for that word, then I move on to the youth. I teach it to the youth, and um, I try to see, well, is that what God had the word for? Or is that who God had the word, word for? And if after that, if after that uh, the, the burden is still on my heart, I know that it's for the church. But this, this word... Uh, it, I, I, I told Pastor I, I had this word for a while, but um, what I did not tell him was I actually prayed that he, he would not, that he would be sure for me to preach it this year. Or because uh, I felt like he was going to ask me to preach soon. And I, I was just praying. I was telling God, Lord, this is an uncomfortable message. I, I don't know if I can um, or if I have that. Um, that uh, authority in this in this particular message, but he asked me anyways, and uh, and then the evangelist came, and quite literally, almost four out of the six messages that I heard um, were all a preview to this message. And that was uh, starting from the first night when he talked about the perishing power of Pentecost. It, I knew that it was confirmation that, as the evangelist said, there were some things he could say because he was in this from birth. And there were some things that other people can't say. And so I know he said what needed to be said, uh, but I'm going to finish his thoughts. We are in revival, Amen. But to stay in revival, we have a certain job that we each have. We have a certain job that is uh, without it, nothing can happen. There are the little jobs that each and every one of us need, just like in sports or just like building construction. If you ignore the little things, in the end they add up and it causes chaos at the end. And if we don't take care of this now at the beginning of revival, it will cause problems later in revival, later in harvest, and later as we continue to grow. So I'm going to ask that uh, we stand for the reading of the word in uh, John chapter 11, verse And it says, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weep, weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and said, where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see and Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that 
even this man should not have died. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a, a cave, and the stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou heardest, hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Oh, Jesus, thank you for this wonderful day, God. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to preach your word. Lord, I ask that you speak through me, God. I ask that you anoint me, God, with your spirit, Lord, and let your spirit flow, Jesus. You know what this church needs. You know that we're in revival, God, and we need to know how to continue on, Lord. So I ask that you give me the words to say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The title of tonight's message is Do Your Job. In a lot of things in the Bible we are given uh, where it's a generalization where all of us have certain things to do. All of us have to obey the law. All of us have to obey God. To obey is better than to sacrifice. All of us have to lean on him and not our own understanding. We have to live with the fear of the Lord in our life and not against him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Amen. But there is one thing that only certain people can do. And it is in these things that revival is either accelerated or destroyed. Right here we're reading in, in, uh, in the chapter 11 of the book of John. And Jesus beforehand uh, was told that Lazarus was sick at the beginning of the chapter. And in verse 4, he says, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then later on it says that he stayed two days where he was while Lazarus was still alive. And finally he knows because he is the one true God, even though he was there in the flesh, he was also everywhere else. He is the one true God. And so he knew when Lazarus had died. And he tells the 12 disciples and all those that were with them that they had to go back to Judea again. In verse 8 it says, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. Uh -huh. But as we go to where Jesus starts to cry, 
Every Jew, no matter if they wanted to kill him or whether they loved him, they all saw the love that was in Jesus. They said uh, in verse 36, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. If we want revival to continue, we have to show the world how much we love them. It cannot be something we fake. It cannot be something that we just smile and we say hello. We have to love them. We have to know them. We have to cry when they cry. We have to rejoice when they rejoice. We have to support them and encourage them, but we also have to correct them. Jesus was a friend of sinners, but he did not support the sinner way. Amen. Just because you are afraid of going back maybe into your old lifestyle or being tempted, it should not stop you from digging deep down into the power of the Holy Ghost and ask God to help you to be a witness unto those that you work with, your friends, your family. Because it is through the power of the Holy Ghost that God adds to the church. Amen. And so here, the Jews that sought to kill him saw his love. And Mary and Martha come to Jesus and say, if you were just here with Lazarus, he would have lived. But if we look at his prayer in verse 42, it says, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it. So what did he say? When did he say it? In verse 11 it says, These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So Jesus had said it for them, those that had followed him, those that had seen his miracles. Jesus knows exactly what we can take. Amen. He knows exactly what we need at the time that we need it. Jesus needed Lazarus to die so that the glory of the Lord could be shown. But he did not want his disciples to doubt him just because Lazarus died. If he had been there, it said that he waited two days before leaving. But if he had been there while Lazarus was sick and they had seen him die, I do not be, believe the faith would have been there in the surrounding area to get Lazarus back to life. Jesus needed the perfect timing. The perfect timing. We have been praying for a revival of all those that have um, left families left the church, those that have slipped away from our fingers. I have heard many great things in the city about this church. 
and forgive me if I, if I pass a line here, but I've also heard some other things. I've heard the hurts of some people. I have heard the pain that some hold. And the saying goes that time heals all wounds. Uh, but nowadays, we don't have that much time. And so I, I begin to wonder, and this started a year ago, maybe two years ago, wondering why there were so many hurting still. Why is there so many that look at us and may not see the power of God, but just see human flesh and the inconsistencies of our flesh because we live a sinful nature. And God finally pulled me to this scripture where in verse 40, 43 it says, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. That is God's job. God revives. It's not my preaching. It's not Brother Carson's preaching or pastor's preaching. It's not your words. It's not the way you dress. It's not the way you act. It's not the the uh, expenses you spare on people, it's not how many times you take them out to eat. But it's by his spirit. Jesus is the one that revives. But for a revival to take place, we have to keep on reading. It says, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. He was still dressed for death. I like that. Even though he died, I promise you, he's not the one that bound himself. He's not the one that put the napkin on his face. He's not the one that covered his own tomb. Somebody else did it. And so from the moment Jesus shows up after weeping, he still groans in himself, but he's moving forward. It doesn't matter if we were hurt as well. We have to keep moving forward. You may have been wrong. You may have a legitimate reason, but you have to keep moving forward because the glory of God needs to come. And if you're too worried about the little things that came against you individually, maybe me as well, you will stop the revival in your life. And so Jesus shows up and he says, take ye away the stone. 
So that's the first step. We have to reveal that which was dead. We have to realize that they are still out there. We have to realize that they still need Jesus. We have to reveal that he is the only answer, but we have to get them connected to him. So we have to take away the stone. Jesus could have done it. He did it for himself. But we have to remove the stones from the people that we buried. They were once dead. Yes, they were. But if we really want true revival, we have to take the first step and say, we'll uncover that tomb. We'll open that cave. We'll make sure that that person is able to come back. We're not going to hold grudges against them. We're going to continue to push to allow them to come to the house of God. We're not going to hold anything against them. We're going to give them an opportunity to come back. But they stink. They look bad. They smell. It'll repel every single person. People will think, why did they give that person a chance again? That person has a ministry at the church? That person's helping with the food drive? That person's hanging out with the children? Martha said, it's been four days, Lord. We're going to tell God, God, it's been 10 years. It's been 20 years, God. Why, why even try? We've told them plenty of times. Oh, we've tried to save our kids. We've tried to sa save our friends' kids. But it's been 20 years. Take away the stone. Keep moving it. Do your job. Roll the stone away. Do your job. Do your job. And then he doesn't come out running out of his grave like we sing. I love that song, but that, that doesn't how, that's not how he comes out. He comes out hopping, comes out crawling, maybe fell over once or twice. He can't see a thing because his face is covered. All he knows is he's in darkness and he sees a light at the end of the tunnel. He would never see that light if they never moved the stone. He wouldn't know where to go if the stone was not open. He'd be wandering in circles if he was alive. If Jesus immediately said, Lazarus, come forth, and the stone was closed, he'd be just going in circles. He'd be thinking he was still dead. And we just want a revival to come instantly. We just want them to come alive and, and they figure it out. They got to move the stone. You got the Holy Ghost again. Go ahead, push the stone. Go ahead, God, ask God to move the stone for you. 
then we'll believe you're actually coming back. Then we'll believe you actually made your mind up to come back to church. And so then Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Jesus wanted to do it. I believe he did. Because in the prodigal son, before he even gets to the gates, he runs when he sees him afar off. So Jesus wants to go hug him, kiss him on the neck, love him. He cried before. He loved him. We know he loved him. But he holds himself still. Move the stone. Lazarus come forth. And he comes out hopping. And he says, now those of you, see, because there was a lot of Jews there. But not everyone bound him. Not everybody moved the stone. It was those that knew that they had done it. I can't let someone loose that Brother Carson offended. I can't say, forgive Brother Carson. On my behalf, forgive him. I can't say that. Brother Carson's got to go up to him and say, I'm sorry I tied your hands. I'm sorry I tied your feet. I'm sorry I covered your face. I'm sorry I stopped you from seeing the glory of God. I'm sorry I covered your tomb so that you could only see darkness for the rest of your life. I'm sorry. I'll let you go, though. That's why it's your job. There's a lot of things we have to do because we are the church. There's a power of one. But there are some jobs that only you can do. I can't have someone forgive you that offends you or that you've offended. That's your job. Bound hand and foot. Imagine what Lazarus is feeling. He probably, it, the smell is still there. Just because he's alive, the smell is still there. He knows what his body just went through. He knows that he's no longer resting. That he is now awake. He has that smell. He's bound, can't move. Has to roll off whatever stone he's on. Has to get up, bending over with his hands and his feet bound. A difficult sight. But he has to force himself to get out because all he heard was a voice that said, come forth, and he saw a light. And when he comes out, he still can't see anything. He feels the light. Now he stepped into the light. He's come to church. And he's felt the goodness, the glory of God. He feels the heat of the sun on him. The Holy Ghost may be coming on that person his heart is letting go I'm no longer dead that's in the past and just right when he's about to get the Holy Ghost he realizes wait I still can't see I still can't move it was dead silent at that moment it was dead silent you want to know why I know because in verse 43 Jesus cried with a loud voice Lazarus come forth because people were talking. People were wondering, what, what, it, 
He could, he could have saved Lazarus. If he was here four days ago, what happened? Like, why are we supposed to believe on him? All this murmuring is going on in the crowd. And so he shouts, Lazarus, come forth, and everybody gets quiet. The stink is there. The person bound hand and foot is there. The doubt is there. Are they really alive? Is this some kind of trick? Maybe it's an angel. Maybe it's his angel coming. And so everybody is dead silent. And Jesus realizes that not even Mary or Martha has gone to take off the bounds from his hand and his feet. Not only his own family. Not only his own family has gone to take off those chains. Take off those things that make him blind. And so Jesus has to step up and say, loose him and let him go. You've been praying for your family. You've been praying for people's families. You've been praying for a revival to spark, for a, ri- a revival to come up. But you don't want to do the dirty work. You want pastor to finish your mess. You want him to clean up after you. You want him to say, oh, I, I offended this person. Can you go give him a Bible study? pastor who already has a heavy burden for this city and this church and is trying to do all he can, preaching extra, giving Bible studies, reaching out to friends and family. And then you wonder, well, why isn't he paying attention to my family? Why hasn't he given my son or daughter a Bible? Why, why hasn't he visited their home? He didn't bind them. He just came back. And you get a bitter heart because now you're left out. That's when you bind yourself. That's when you cover your own grave. That's when you jump into your own cave. Just like those prophets that hid in a cave and died there. You went ahead and hid in your own cave because now the ministry offended you. God doesn't work for you. We are to serve God in truth and sincerity. That's what Joshua told us. Joshua said, if you want to continue living good, if you want to live in his graces, you want to live in the, in the good moments and all these winning battles, you got to serve him in truth and sincerity. You can't hate it. You can't give with a hateful heart. He won't bless that. Said he will bless the cheerful giver. Not just in money, but in time, in effort, in everything that you do. Amen. One thing that I am glad, that I am excited whenever I come here and I'm able to do something. I'm glad I learned that it is important to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Whatever it takes to get the job done. No matter what it takes, you keep going. You keep going. 
even when God is convicting you, piercing your heart, making you bleed, making you understand it was your fault. You killed Jesus. You have to realize, well, then what do we do? The only reason they were able to move forward, the only reason why they didn't die right there and run away and, and, and preach against the, the apostles is because they said, well, what did we have to do then? They realized, yeah, you're right, we did kill Jesus. So how, how, do, how do we fix it? We don't, we don't want to live with this guilt on our hands. We don't want this blood on our hands. How do we fix this? And Peter just says, well, you just got to repent. First, first and foremost, you got to repent. You got to turn from your wicked ways. You got to humble yourself and you got to pray. You can't be prideful about what you've done in the past. You can't say, well, I've done this and that. I don't need to. No, you got to repent. No matter what, all of us do. Die daily. Amen. And then you got to be baptized in Jesus' name under the one name given among men whereby we must be saved. You must be baptized in Jesus' name and then you can get that power. And then you can get that power to help other people. Get that power to witness. Get that power to show the glory of God. But it first starts with repentance. That's what this whole message, that's your job. That's your job. You've got to repent. You've got to say, I messed up. And let, let me be very clear. People won't like it. Right after that, verse 45 says that many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some, but some of them went their ways. They just said, oh, oh, cool, cool thing you just did. Let me go tell on you. Let me go make sure the real bosses know. See, if we want to please flesh, You'll go ahead and go. You'll be like, oh, wait, that person just came to church? Let me go talk about this church that just lets anybody come. Let me go talk behind pastor's back and say, how did he let that person in? Why did he let that person back? They went their ways to the Pharisees, the people who are holier than thou. And told them what things Jesus had done. And they're just wondering, what do we do? You got to kill it. You got to kill it. But see, that's the problem. You can't. Whenever true, see, that's how you know a difference between true revival and emotion. The, the preacher said, if the church is popular, Sunday morning attendance. The pastor's popular, Wednesday night attendance. But if God is popular, prayer meeting. 
So how popular is God in this place? Or is it flesh? Is it God or is it flesh? Is it, oh, we go to CMT. We go to Christ Memorial Temple, the one that's been there for 75 years? Yeah, we go there. Or is it, we go to the church where God moves. We go to the church where the glory of God just falls. Where we worship him in spirit and in truth. We go to the church where anything can happen at any moment. At any moment. Anybody can get healed. Anybody can get set free. A stone can be moved. Someone can come back. Someone can see the light and will take off their bounds. That's the church I want to go to. That's the church I want to go to. When someone asks, what church do you go to? I go to a church where anything can happen. I go to a church, you got a problem? Come to my church. Because we'll get that right. We'll get that right. Oh, we won't do anything, but we'll worship. We'll start worshiping. We'll start running the aisles. We'll start jumping. We'll start shouting. And then finally, and then finally, God will start coming down. The glory of the Lord will start coming down. That's when something happens. That's when God saves. That's when God moves. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. You don't, go, you don't get spirit and truth by just repeating hallelujah. Hallelujah is the highest worship or the highest praise. Hallelujah is the highest praise. Anybody can say that. But when you get into worship, into that spirit and truth, See, the truth part, I, I, uh, I gave a lesson of worship because there, the youth were wondering what um, the difference between uh, worship and praise. And I told them, well, just think of it as a friend that you have. Now tell me about that friend. Like, oh, they're, they're great. They're, they're pretty. They're handsome. They're good looking. They're, uh, they're well known. They're nice. Um, that they've been good to me. They always say good things about me. I say, okay. Now let's say something tragic happens. A relative dies. And nobody's there for you. But that friend comes along. Now that friend is not just someone that's, yeah, they're nice. They, they're there for me when I, no, they're, oh, man. When I was down when my family, when someone passed away, they were there for me. They kept me. That's worship. So then when you say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, praise, praise, praise. But then when we got to worship, God, when I was in that grave, you had somebody move that stone. And I couldn't see anything. But that light was just there. And I walked towards it. And I'm so thankful, Lord. You had someone take those bounds off my feet, off my hands. You opened my eyes. 
so that I could see the glory of God and I could be refilled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for that moment, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me another chance, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And when that happens, and you start to get deep, then you start revealing your problems to God. That's where the truth comes in. God, I got this. You just did this great thing for me, but Lord, I got, I got this situation, God. I got this problem. I'm, I'm addicted to this. I, I think about this all the time. And, and uh, I, can't, I can't have a normal conversation because my mind's preoccupied with, with different thoughts. And uh, Lord, I need you. Then the truth comes out of you. You're not perfect anymore. Now you've revealed yourself to the one that created you. You've got that truth flowing out of you. God, I need you. God, I need you. That repentance is coming. Lord, I can't do it anymore. I can't put on this fake facade. I can't, I can't act like I'm the perfect Pentecostal anymore. I've got this situation, and I'm giving it all to you. You empty your heart. The truth comes out. And then the spirit moves. Your heart's now empty. You've dumped it all out. And then the spirit comes. And soothes your soul. And just says, I'm, I'm here with you. You start feeling better. Something's changing. Something's, a weight is lifted off of you. And he's filling up your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So then now what started with praise and moved to worship, the truth came out. And the spirit is moving. Now out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And another tongue becomes to flow out of your mouth. And the Holy Ghost just has his way and prays for you and intercedes for you. Moanings and groanings that no one can utter. Oh, but the Lord knows exactly what's happening. If you want the Holy Ghost, you got to empty yourself out. You've got to let that truth go. God, I, I did bind that person. I, I did cover that grave with the stone. I didn't give them a chance. See, I told you at the beginning of this message, usually the first time I get a message, I check myself. I wasn't perfect with this message by any means. That's why I have, that's why I feel the liberty to talk about it. So I checked myself and I looked at family, looked at friends, those that I have met recently. And I realized I have been binding them. I have been just enjoying the flow of a program. And now I realize I messed up. I bounded. And so the, 
the truth flowed and God released me. You're wondering why it's so hard every time to pray through. You're wondering why it's the one person or the two or three people that always get the miracles. They emptied themselves out. They died. They died daily. Whenever it says die daily, you really have to focus and empty yourself out and say, yesterday, just yesterday, God, I could have been much better. Just yesterday. And now I got to think about the thing I did five years ago, two years ago. Yeah, that's emptying yourself out. And so why do the one, two, three, ten people get the same miracles over and over and you're still stuck in your situation? Empty yourself out. That's what God wants. He wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. If you're not willing to empty yourself out, don't expect anything. I don't want you to feel like I'm attacking you, but you get what you deserve. Treat others the way you want to be treated. You don't treat God with liberty, he ain't going to treat you with liberty. You don't open yourself up to God, he won't open himself up to you. You want to know the secrets and the wonders of God? Open up to him. Let him know your secrets, your wonders, all your questions. Let him know. And then he'll reveal, I'm taking care of you in this area. Don't worry about it. I'm taking care of your finances over here. Don't worry about it. You worry about this, and he'll reveal that secret to you. Amen? But you've got to empty yourself out. What shall we do? Repent. Repent. And be baptized in Jesus' name. And the power that cannot be mimicked, that cannot be faked, that power will come upon you. If you could stand. I asked you last time I preached, what would you do for one more soul? And maybe some of you said, I'll pray an extra hour. Maybe you say, I'll pray an extra 30 minutes a day. My question to you today is, would you open that tomb that you buried? Would you let them go? Or would you hold it against them? Would you say, God, why would I let them go? They deserved it. They offended this person and that person and that person. So I'm going to leave them buried because they deserve it. Why are you the judge? You're not the judge. I only know one judge. His name is Jesus. He's the one that is baptized. He's the one that you're baptized in. That's the blood that gets on your hands. In this revival, everyone in this city is feeling that burden. The blood of Jesus, it's still flowing. 
Abel got into their argument and Cain slew Abel. Cain, Jesus goes to Cain and says, what happened? Where's your brother? He says, I'm, I'm, I don't take care of him. What's, why, why do I have to be my brother's keeper? And God said, no, you don't understand. The blood cries to me. That life that's in the blood cries to me in pain and agony. You think they can't feel a single thing? God's blood is in the earth crying to them and they go home feeling empty and useless and powerless and then the blood just starts to speak to them starts to cry to them I still love you I still love you and there's people that'll love you too right there at the corner of Creasy and Union they'll still love you but you gotta move you gotta move you gotta go to that church they'll set you free they'll let those bounds go they will take off those chains they'll let you see me as I really am they won't be the hypocrites they won't be the Pharisee they won't run to somebody and talk behind your back no they'll love you they'll stare at your face and say I love you they'll hug your neck and they'll give you a second chance that's the church we gotta be we've revived ourselves for these past two weeks, we've revived ourselves. We've prepared ourselves for this moment. Now, was it emotion or was it the spirit? I urge you not to make this another altar call. Not to make this a moment where I'll go and I'll pray for, I usually do seven minutes, let's do 15 minutes. No, don't, don't, it's not the time. It's not the time that counts. It's how much you're willing to pour out. It's how much you're willing to give God. It's how much you're actually willing to do for God. Are you willing to do your job to get this kingdom to the next level? We have increased levels. But are we ready to go to the next one? Are we ready to set those people free? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, this altar is open for any of you that need to empty yourself. Any of you that need to admit, yes, I found that person. Yes, I buried them. I covered that grave with the stone. There's no way they're getting out unless I move it for them.